Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hello, everyone. My name is Mark Chalmers, and I'm president and CEO of Energy Fuels. Energy Fuels is a unique company in the fact that we're building a critical mineral hub of a number of um, elements for reducing carbon emissions and electrification, including uranium, our core business, vanadium, which is used for steel hardening and um, also for uh, energy storage for batteries, uh, the rare earth elements, uh, which uh, all of you are aware of are used for, for primarily for high efficiency magnets. Um, and then in addition, we added recently uh, the, the radioisotopes uh, for potential future cancer treatment. So there really is no company like Energy Fuels out there as an investment. Mark, lovely to see you. In fact, I'm, I'm saddened that this is the first time I've seen you uh, uh, for a while because I was meant to be at your White Mesa opening a couple of weeks ago, but your government wouldn't let me in. I'm a bit upset. Yeah, that was a bit of a surprise, Matt. We were really excited to have you come. Um, we had a few other people that, that couldn't get into the U.S. because of the COVID restrictions. But yeah, it was a great couple of days. Um, we're very excited about it. It, it um, you know, it was just some really great people showed up and participated in the event. So and it was great time. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I, I genuinely I was sorry. I couldn't get in because of COVID reasons, nothing nefarious. Um, so what, what sort of people turned up? Because it, it looked like it was a quite a big uh, sort of mixed crowd. Yeah, it was a mixed crowd. I mean, we had a lot of um, people from the region. Um, we had um, a number of people in the rare earth uh, business, uh, certainly uranium players. Um, and then we had um, a number of politicians, particularly from Utah. We had one Biden administration official from the Department of Energy also participate. Now, some people came in through uh, virtually uh, or pre-recordings, but uh, you know, we, were, we were just really excited with the participation and interest. And in addition, we launched our foundation, the San Juan County uh, Clean Energy Foundation, where we uh, deposited a million US dollars into an account and with the process setting up a foundation which we believe is uh, the biggest, certainly in the history of our company, but one of the biggest uh, initiatives in San Juan County, maybe ever, when it comes to foundation. Now, that, that, no, I will talk about that, but it, it talks to me a little bit about the people who were invited and the people who turned up. What did they want to get out of this? Was this uh, all about rare earths? Was it about um, uranium? I mean, was it anything about anything in particular that they were turning up for? Yeah, look, a number of them turned up for a number of reasons. I mean, I think the regional people turned up because they, they want some good economic news in San Juan County. Um, they see the job creation. They see the work we're doing with uh, training and hiring indigenous people. Um, they, 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 they heard about the foundation. Uh, that was of great interest to them. We had a number of people uh, in the rare earth industry show up as well because they wanted to see the progress they've been hearing about. And then... On the day, the price of uranium was over $50 a pound. So there were also the uranium bucks. So, you know, it was, it was a really quite a, a, a nice, diverse mix of people. And, um, and so there was a lot of buzz and a lot of excitement uh, in our plans in the change uh, in the markets on several fronts. Yeah, there was a sort of, there's been a sort of confluence of 
events in the markets that are working in your favor, it, it, it seems. Obviously, uranium price being pushed, and maybe let's talk about uranium for a second, if you, if you don't mind, okay? Um, that's being pushed, the spot price is being pushed higher and higher by spot, by the spot physical uranium trust uh, buying in, in the marketplace, some other people buying tea. I mean, what, what, what's your take on that? Is, is that real, sustainable, or is it just a little bit too synthetic to, to last? Good question. Um, I think the market is saying that it's going to last. I think the renewal of their ATM for a billion dollars um, uh, surprised people on the upside. I, I, I think it's angered uh, utilities because they see this, this move in the uranium price. But I think it's a catalyst that um, has, has shook up a lot of people. And, and I think it's, it's, it's getting utilities to start thinking that they're going to have to start going back into long-term contracting sooner than later. Um, so it, it, it's, it's mixed it up a bit. And um, so look, I, I think that, you know, when you look at the, the, the increase in the spot uranium price just in the last month or so, um, you know, it, it's, it's really put a buzz in the, in the uranium space. And um, so, yeah, we'll see what the future has in store, but um, it's, it's, it's making a difference, this, this spot. Uranium trust. Well, well, the rules of the game have changed for the utility buyers. I say utility, the buyers at the utilities because, in the sense, they had all the data. In the sense that everyone shared their data and the utilities did not share theirs. So, in, in effect, the the rules of the game were slightly skewed. It, it seemed. Whereas with Sprott coming in now, it's moving the game at a faster pace than perhaps the utilities uh, want. Uh, or you know had previously been prepared to let it move. So it, I think generally investors go, oh, it's it's a really good thing. But I'm just wondering, with your experience with talking to utility buyers, you know, what are the options available to them now? You know, are they going to are, are they going to put, be put under any pressure financially as a result of this? Um, are they going to have to make some some quick moves? Um, Again, with with regards to you know their their finances, their balance sheet to deal with this. Otherwise, you know they're going to be forced in position which they're that you know is, is unknown to them real quick. Well, look, um, I, I think I've told you I came from a utility family. My dad was in the utility business for forty three years, and 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 the utilities don't like surprises. They they don't like sudden shifts. Um, I mean, we know that the price of uh, uranium is just a small portion. Uh, of the cost of nuclear power for, for many of them. Now, granted, you know, they've been under a lot of pressure. And, and, and I, I think that, you know, one of, one of the things that's good right now is that they're getting uh, more support when it comes to the Biden administration to keep reactors running. Um, but yeah, no, it's just, it just turned the, the, the basket upside down. And um, I think there are a number that are concerned um, at, you know, what, uranium is going to be available and at what price. So um, yeah, look, we're, we're already seeing it with um, inbounds coming from utilities looking for uh, bids, longer term contracts. Um, the question is, is, you know, what are those, those contracts going to be at? And, and I can tell you, they're only going to be at prices that make sense for us as a company, uh, you know, where we can make a, a reasonable margin on those contracts. Essentially, I was talking to John Borshoff a couple of weeks ago, um, and he said, I'm not going after utilities. They can come to me. I'll, I'll be here when they need, uh, need to have a conversation with me, but um, 
I don't feel under any pressure to move my project to suit their needs. Do you think that there's not too many people who are confident enough to say that, not too many companies in a position to be able to say that? I mean, what's your position in, in your company? You, you, you've had some approaches for RFPs, but are you responding with the prices that you need or are you, are you just not bothering to respond at this this moment? No, we'll, we'll respond with prices that, that we need. Um, you've got to build a book. I mean, you know, if you do a contract, it's not a single contract that, that, that carries a company. It's a, it's a, it's a portfolio of contracts and, you know, could be four five, six, ten 10 different contracts, you know, with different pricing mechanisms. So, you know, we're planning to build our book. Uh, we're planning to uh, focus the company on, on, on securing revenue and become cash positive as quickly as possible. Uh, if you look at the last cycle, there was a, a the, the greed factor came in and a lot of people didn't do contracts when they, they could have done contracts. Um, you know, we're not going to get caught in that trap. We're going to make sure we build a book um, that makes sense for us. And, and not all companies are in the same position. For example, you know, if you have to go out and spend four or five hundred million dollars or billion dollars to build a project, um, you know, you're going to have a different contract position or you should have than somebody that has limited capital to respond, like in our case. So you're going to say you think we're going to start seeing some sort of layers of contracting at different price points with different volumes and so forth. That's because that's just the way it works. And the reason I ask is because people assume it's it's one price fits all and you know that's that's the way the market works. So different companies will be able to respond in different ways depending on Exactly. The, the strength exactly. of what they've got. Okay. So you know we're we're gonna we're gonna start building as I said a portfolio of contracts at prices that we can make money on, and that will vary over time. Um, but um, you know, we, we, you know we're we're certainly glad to see the interest, and we'll see how it unfolds here. But it's unfolding. It seems to be quite quickly, and. Um, so, you know, we're going to be, uh, you know, dynamic in how it unfolds. Do you think that the U.S. utilities are going to be fishing in all ponds f- for now? Um, and in which case, you know, where does that put the U.S. companies uh, in, in the mix? Well, look, the utilities typically fish in all ponds. Um, so, you know, but they also want uh, diversity of supply and, you know, by regions so, and, and we know the United States is a, you know, a relatively small producer in the scheme of things. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, as I said, and I think I said this last time we talked, I, I, I don't know exactly how this all unfolds, but um, I'm, I'm very pleased um, with, you know, how it's turned the basket upside down with, with, with Sprott. And, um, and then the renewal of the ATM. I mean, you got a lot of this price movement out of what procuring, you know, a couple hundred million dollars or $250 million of uranium. And, and now, you know, they have the ability to raise up to a billion dollars on the ATM that they've put in place. So, yeah, I, 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 the party is not over. And, um, you know, and the fundamentals for nuclear are improving. Uh, the support for nuclear around the world is improving. You know, this, this, this focus on the small modular reactors uh, around the world is improving and getting momentum. I mean, even what I saw in, in, in the UK, you know, the focus with Rolls-Royce, uh, you know, so it, it, it's, it's moving faster than I would have thought at this stage of the game. It, it's taken a long time since um, Fukushima, but, um, you know, it all looks like things are moving into place 
in the right direction uh, in a robust way. Yeah, it is. Um, I think we've got Hinkley C here in Suffolk is the largest engineering project in Europe currently. So yeah, it's, it's very very much um, you know part of the infrastructure here in the in, in the UK. Um, just just on uranium. Um, so can you tell me has have you been approached by Sprott in terms of, of buying, or do you think your inventory is better served sitting with you for now? We haven't been approached by Sprott um, for some of our inventories, but um, yeah, as I said, you know we, we do things that make sense. You know, we've got around seven hundred thousand pounds of uranium, and uh, and it's produced. U.S. origin uranium, unlike a lot of people who bought the uranium, even though that looks like that was a good play for those that bought uranium at lower prices. So, so yeah, um, you know, we've got a lot of optionality, and, and, and I don't think any other uh, investment in the uranium or earth space has the kind of optionality that Energy Fuels has right now. Right, okay, and then I'm not going to dwell on this too, too long because we've talked about it at Infinitum in the past, which is obviously... You've got your uranium inventory, you've got your vanadium uh, inventory, and you're sitting on big piles of cash um, at, at the moment on top of that as well. So you, you, your balance sheet looks good and healthy. But I think the thing, and you're getting a lot of credit for that, but the thing which interests us and has interested us for some time, and perhaps you're not getting enough credit for, is the rare earths element. Because there's a lot of moving parts, and perhaps people don't understand those moving parts. So can you, can you just, given the amount of press releases we've seen to do with Rosen, can you tell us how you're building that picture? What are, what are the bits that we should be looking at? Well, you know, we're building that with our monocyte plant, monocyte sands, um, which we think is a key differentiator because of the quality of the rare earths and the contained uranium that, that we want and we can recover. So, um, and, and so it, it's gaining momentum. Uh, the interest is building daily. Uh, we still have to, to show the market that we're going to get into, you know, significant commercial production with, you know, a, a, you know, very significant cash margin, we believe, in time. Uh, and so the market's watching that, but doesn't quite believe it. You know, we don't think people really believe the, um, the rare earth program in, in its entirety. I mean, the average investor, certainly people like Constantine and and some of the other people like, you know, Kimors, um, Hyperion, uh, you know, others, uh, sophisticated rare earth producers believe the story. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite comfortable that people don't believe because I want to create opportunity for our investors to see that, that pop when the time comes. But, but yeah, my phone continues to, to bring off the hook when it comes to um, all, all the things we're doing but also particularly with the rare earths, you know, we're talking to monazite producers, you know, we're advancing our scoping work for separation. Um, you know, the number uh, the, the key experts that are in the world that are joining us uh, in different capacities is increasing. Uh, you know, we produce the rare earths, uh, the carbonate, we've shipped that to Estonia. Um, they're, they're getting ready to process it in Estonia. That's getting attention because we're the most advanced when it comes to processing than anyone in all of North America, anyone. And we did it 
in less than two years. What the bit, the bit that I'm, I can see is that you're you're looking to fill up the capacity at White Mesa Mill. I, I, I wanted to come to White Mesa Mill because I've seen the pictures. It looks huge, and you talked about having 17 lines, and you know, so it's all it's all good stuff. But I wanted to actually get a sense of the scale of this thing because you seem to be if you, the deal with like consolidated uranium, for instance, that's going to when they when they get when you. So I think you're operating it on their behalf. Get that up and producing. That's going to come through White Mesa Mill. The Rad, the Radtran deal with regards to you know with the cancer therapeutic isotope uh, project. I'm looking at Hyperion, who actually I'm speaking to later um, today. They will be feeding through the White Mesa Mill. So I can see the the revenue streams you're building there. But I think the big picture bit, which people want to understand, is can you deliver this end-to-end -end solution? Can this be a central hub for the US or North America for critical minerals. Is, is that going to take time? Is that something that you're entirely going to be able to do? Or are you going to have to keep shipping off to Eastern Europe to kind of finish the process? You know, look, look at it. It's absolutely in our sights and it's going to happen. Um, you know, there, there's still a lot of work to do. I mean, our goal is in approximately a year's time. Uh, we put in a comprehensive plan to the state of Utah with all our plants, all our plants, okay, for a complete a retrofit modernization of the White Mesa Mill. It historically, over its 40 years, has been underutilized. It's been underutilized. And, uh, you know, we're just seeing all these remarkable opportunities to utilize the facility um, in, a, in a much more significant way than ever. The brightest days for energy fuels, and I've been involved with this group for almost 40 years, are ahead of it. The brightest days. This, you know, you've heard me say that this is, I'm, I'm more excited today than I've ever been in my entire career because I never thought that all these things would be happening at the same time. Now, that does complicate managing the facility to an extent because of the unique interest in so many things. So what stops you from becoming a Linus? What stops you from becoming a mountain pass? What are the things, is it just the feed or is there more to it? Is it more complicated than that? Yeah, right, right now, um, the, the main thing is securing adequate sources of feed of the monazite sands. And, um, and, 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 and we, we, we believe that is going to build um, we're talking to well over half a dozen groups around the world. They're, they're seeing the progress we're making. Um, you know, when it comes to the processing, the separations, um, you know, we don't see that as, 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 as a stumbling block. We, we can build that out uh, as we go. Uh, you know, we, 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 we're not downplaying, you know, the risk that, that some of these steps have, uh, but we're comfortable with those risks because of our history, particularly with solvent extraction. So, We've got to show the market that we've got significant uh, feeds of monazite sands. And then on the rare earth space, we believe it is going to be game on. And I've said this before, the strike rate on capital and operating costs, uh, we believe is going to be remarkable. It's going to surprise people. It's going to scare some people. It's going to scare people because there's a lot of people out there saying that they need subsidies to be competitive with the Chinese we don't believe we need subsidies at all. We think we can compete head to head. Now we're not trying to, to do any harm to China because the world's gonna need all the rare earth elements it can obtain. We're gonna need China, we're gonna need Linus, we're gonna need um, you know, 
Mountain Pass and, and, and others that, are, that can competitively produce rare earth uh, materials. Uh, and we're gonna need White Mesa. So, you know, we're gonna need all these groups working together and delivering because otherwise we'll never meet uh, the um, sort of the, the objectives of a lot of people that are looking at, you know, advancing electric cars and renewable energy and whatnot without all these things hitting on all cylinders. That's very conciliatory and very magnanimous of you and, and which is you know um, good news for all parties concerned with the rare earth industry. Do you feel you can say that because you're in a position of strength? Because if, if I, the only reason I ask is that when I look back at the kind of uranium conversations of a couple of years ago from US uranium companies, it was very antagonistic. It was very um, combative language. Was that because the uranium was sort of down in the dumps or do you, is that a, just a very different market from rare earths? I mean, what is it? Is it is it night and day in terms of the sorts of people that are operating in it? Because you still got this big foe, this this Chinese, you know, influence in in this space. But you're talking a very, you know, we're all in it together language here. Whereas the uranium just felt different. Or has that changed? Do you think? Yeah. Look at there. They're very different um, markets, but they're very complementary of each other because, you know, the objectives of where they're, they're driving uh, the world. So, um, yeah, no, it, you know, and it, it, different players. I mean, you know, most of the rare earth people are over in the rare earth camp and most uranium people in the rare, in the uranium camp. Um, but there are a number of people that I've, I've, I've ran into of both sides of the equation, but, but, but yeah, no, they're very different, and and it's been a learning experience for myself and and our company. But um, but I, I do think we're in a very strong position with our monazite plan. Um, I think that you know even if you know people try to replicate the plan, they're going to be you know years and years and years behind us if they're able to do that. Um, and but I think that the you know the United States. The world needs a, a, a another monazite plan uh, other than China, and and you know, and so I think that what we we focused on um, and how we we moved, um, you know, has been very you know focused and and, and purposeful, um, and and you know, and so I you know I, I I don't have any any regrets that we've got into this space, and uh, but I also think that the the way we're approaching it. Um, is smart, and 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 I hope I don't have to turn around someday and say it isn't smart. But but I've also it's not just my idea. You know, it's it's been um, you know uh, basically you know endorsed by others that have a lot of experience in the rare earth business. And as I said, the market hasn't quite caught on to it yet. But I think that when we can show that the uh, supplies of rare earths are building the monazite sands, um, I think people are going to get it and they're going to understand this is going to happen. And, um, and, and that's certainly our intention. And we don't believe there's anything in the way of making this happen. The question is at what scale and over what time period? I, I agree with all of that. You know, I, I do think you guys could be a mountain pass. I do think you can be a Linus and you know, there's a bunch of steps you got to do to do that. And, and, and you know, 
focus on the economics of that. But I was, I was just wondering, I just wanted to understand the thought process and parallels between what you went through. Because you based on from, it, it's from a low base. Uranium was in a dark place for a while, rare earth, much unloved too. But you, you've approached both of those problems in different ways. And I just wondered, were lessons learned from the uranium process that have been applied here in, in Rarus because you've brought to everyone together here. The, the, the Rarus seems like you've got the best people together. You're building a U.S. critical minerals hub around White Mesa, and it's a kind of massive love-in, whereas I just felt that the uranium story, just it just felt a little bit more, um, I say, com combative, I think. You know, it was them versus us. It was East versus West. And is that just the history of the geopolitics of uranium or is that just of the moment and maybe and everyone's now best buddies once we now we realize that you know the green economy's here green energy is required you've got lots of supporters from all around the world you know supporting nuclear which wasn't always the case um i mean do, do, do you see the parallel i'm trying to draw between where both started but different approaches yeah no look at I, I i do and i i don't but um I, I think, you know, the uranium, um, you know, with the, the knowledge base that we created with uranium, um, just the fact that we've got a lot of professionals that, you know, have been doing this a lot of years, dealing with the radionuclides, recovering uranium, uh, you know, disposing of this, uh, the tailings, you know, in these uh, Rikra cells, um, you know, it, it, it all has, you know, created the foundation for the rare earth business. And, um, and I think that's the unique element that we have. Well, well let, me, let me interrupt you there, because it, it seems to me that you've, you've realized, always realized the importance of White Mesa, but it wasn't in an environment where you could do much about it because uranium was in, in, in the doldrums and you know, vanadium too, to, to a greater degree. But now with this rare earth component, I think other people are starting to recognize what White Mesa could be in terms of its ability to you know, process a lot of different types of, of, of uh, material in there. So, I mean, is there going to be more of these deals? Are we going to see more deals? Because you said to me in the past, there's a bunch of uranium companies. There's no chance that they're going to process through White Mesa. Are you now opening the doors uh, a little bit to them? Well, you know, we're always going to look at everything on a case-by-case -case basis. Does it make sense for us, energy fuels? Not does it make sense for others? So, um, you know, look, at I think we've got, uh, you know, quite a wide variety of things that we're pursuing right now. Uh, we've got to stay focused on that wide variety because it's fairly complicated. Uh, but, you know, with things like the divestment of uh, these non-core assets to uh, international consolidated uranium, now that's an example of uh, recognizing we don't have time to do justice for those assets. So, um, you know, we're, we're always going to be open for what makes sense. You know, the addition of the radionuclides, we're very, very excited about that because that could potentially could be another huge opportunity for the company. Huge, you know, because radionuclides are in short supply. They're in short supply, but guess what? White Mesa. White Mesa can be, um, you know, the host of, that can be harvested uh, for the radionuclides. And so it all meshes perfectly with the uranium production, the rare earth production that contains uranium and the thorium, and then the, the um, medical isotope. So, you know, why shouldn't we try to look at this in a holistic way to get the best outcome possible for our shareholders? 
And I've said this to you a number of times, Matt, we're not thinking small here. We're thinking huge. Now, we don't need all of these things to happen. A couple of them, and we're a multi-billion dollar company. I mean, we're already a billion dollar company, but we will be a multi-billion dollar company, in my opinion, with the focus we have on what we're doing. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm very confident in that. We have a lot of work. It, is it guaranteed? No, I can't guarantee 100%, but I can tell you it is moving very quickly. I want to talk about uranium a bit. You're, you've always said we're, we're the U.S.'s biggest uranium producer, right? You've got the White Mesa Mill. You also say to me he controls the mill, controls the district. You've got a few uranium companies have benefited from recent movement and obviously not just the, 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 the spot price, but obviously the equities. You know, they're, they're 400, 500, 600 million bucks. None of them have a mill. Do you have the ability to control their margins as a result or do they have lots of options available to them? Well, as I said before, we're going to do what makes sense for us. We're going to deal with the people we want to deal with. You know, we don't have to mill somebody else's or if we don't want to. You're right. Whoever owns the mill controls the district. And that has been around for decades. Okay. You can't just mine the ore, put it out on the stockpile and have it turn into material that can go to a converter. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of hype in and, and, and people that just say, well, I'm going to mine, I'm going back into mining, uh, but they don't have the ability to, to, to make that into yellow cake and ship it to the converter without the mill. Or they have to go build their own mill. And that can take a decade uh, or longer, and it's going to cost hundreds of millions of dollars. So, you know, our goal, and again, our initial arrangement with, with International Consolidated Uranium, they're the only ones that have a milling agreement with us. Very favorable milling agreement. And that is going to be our focus for now. We're not going to be, uh, you know, trying to cover every aspect of the uranium space uh, because we've got so much in front of us right now. So they, they've been on the show recently, Consolidated Uranium. Um, I think they've lost the international bet, rebranding already. Um, but they've um, they talked about their portfolio of, of projects. People don't sell the good stuff, right? I know you got a lot of projects, a lot of assets. People don't tend to sell the good stuff. Where would you put the projects that you've sold them? Or I know you haven't quite closed yet, but when when, when it does, uh, against other projects in. Say in, in in America and in, in in the U.S., did you sell them some good stuff, or are they going to have to work real hard to to make those things work? Well, they are good projects, and if you added up the the top producers over the last fifteen years, you'd have Cameco number one, Energy Fuels number two, UR Energy number three. Um, you would have um, the the Russians, um, Uranium one number four. And the assets that inter, or international consolidated, if they've dropped international, their consolidated uranium uh, are acquiring from us, they would be number five over the 15 years. They'd be ahead of everybody else. Okay. They are proven projects. Um, they are permitted. They have milling agreements. Um, and with the prices increasing, they can respond quicker at lower costs, lower capital costs, and get into production quicker 
than just about everybody else. And I believe they'll produce a lot more uranium than just about anybody else. Now, there are a few emerging opportunities in the U.S., and I'm not saying that they may not pass uh, um, these assets that we're selling, but these assets have produced. They're proven. Okay. Let's get back and talk about the uh, San Juan County Clean Energy Foundation. Okay. Why have you set that up? Is that just an ESG tick box exercise or is there more to it? Well, look, it, you know, if you look at the history of the mill um, over the 40 years, it's been in existence. It's been underutilized. It's gone through a lot of down markets. Um, you know, we've had financial limitations of what we could do in the region with the opportunities that are, that are you know, presenting themselves. Um, that presents more capacity for us. It's a very poor region. It's the poorest in Utah. It's about half of it is Native Americans. And, and this, th- this is something I wanted to do, our company wanted to do, our board supported. Uh, it does give us, we believe, some ticks in the ESG boxes. Um, I think people haven't really understood what we do in the region, but we're also rebranding the company. It is a clean energy company. It is a critical mineral company. A lot of people associate the White Mesa Mill with legacy uranium mines from the 50s and 60s, and we need to make sure people understand that is not the right analogy and connection. This is clean energy, green jobs for the future. We can do a lot of good uh, with creating jobs and hiring um, Indigenous people and, and other people, not just Indigenous people, and we want to do more. And, and, and now's the time to set this up and put it in place. And I look forward to those first distributions that we make out of that foundation in a very positive way. And I think people are going to applaud it. And even our foes that, that continually challenge us and say, you know, we're this dirty energy and we've got this poor legacy. I want to show them that, that we are different and what we're doing is different. And I'm proud of how we do things. And I look forward to the future. And I think that it's going to be just remarkable for San Juan County as a whole. Not just our company, but for the whole region. Okay. Well, I get like more of that, I guess, to be announced as it comes. So, Mark Chalmers of uh, Clean Energy Fuels, we're going to call you. Uh, thank you for your time today. Um, I know you've got a bit of a, a tickly throat. So, uh, thanks for putting up uh, with these questions, and we will speak to you again soon. Thank you, Matt. Always a pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.